For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled, Baptism by Fire. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon. Have another hand out there. The aim of the sermon is to answer the question about baptism by fire. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 3 and beginning in verse 11. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat, his food, was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. But think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So should we or should anyone be seeking this baptism by fire? And once I read where it said, if you, if you uh, want this, then you may want to think again. So what did John mean when he said he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire? So let's see who John was speaking of. In verse 12 of Matthew 3. Whose fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly purge his floor. And gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then came, come, cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan. Unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him. Saying. I have no need to be baptized of you, and come you to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to feel all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Now, <clears throat> this does not imply that Jesus had to be baptized, or was, did it imply any admission of sin on his part? We know that Christ was without sin. But... This act of baptism would identify himself 
with the message that John was speaking about being baptized in water and that it is right to do so. So Jesus gave an example. And Jesus, in verse 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we see Jesus as a son of man being baptized and the Holy Spirit of God descending down upon him like a dove. Now we know that the Holy Spirit is a gift. It comprises many wonderful gifts of the righteous character of God like love, faith, hope, also meekness and patience and other, and other characteristics. You can see those things in Galatians 5, but the greatest of which we know is love, love toward man, love toward God. So we see the Holy Spirit is a gift. And you may remember uh, Horace Gump saying life is like a box of chocolates, if you will, because it has many flavors, many things in it, or if you wish to imagine it as a bouquet of many flowers. It is a gift that is in us as it was or and is in Christ Jesus. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hand. So there, there's a time when the gift needs to be stirred up. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Ephesians 3, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, be able to understand with all the saints what is the width and the length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So there is a power that works in us. It is through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God is power. It is what God in Christ is all about. And that is love toward creation and toward man whom he created. Now, who was John speaking to when he said, He that comes after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire? Back up in verse 5. It says, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So we see that there was a mixed multitude from different regions. There were the repentant who came to be baptized, confessing their sins, to be baptized of him. But among them, we also know that there were the non-repentant, the non-repentant Pharisees and the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. In verse 7, but when many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Sadducees came to his baptism, he said unto them, he called them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. 
And he says to them, bring forth, therefore, fruits of repentance. So, you want to escape the wrath that is to come? Then show repentance. Confess your sins. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we read where it said, where Peter said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he added this thought to think about in verse 10, where it says that every tree which brings forth, which, bring, which bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. So that's the fate of those who do not bring forth good fruit, who not, do not bring forth loving fruit. They're cast, they're cut down, cast into the fire. Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So to the repentants who were there, John was saying that they will be baptized with water by him. But when Christ comes, he will baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So we might ask, well, how does baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire go together? What it refers to is Christ baptizing with fire. And we see this in verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So it is the non-repentant that we see here who, is going, who, who will not escape the fiery wrath that is to come. The word of God, we know, is a call to life by turning to, to godly righteousness while there is time to do it. Not only is it a first-time call, but a steady reminder to us, even those who have repented and have been baptized, to at times stir up the gift of God, lest that flame of life go out and to take heed, because we could fall. So, now, what is this unquenchable fire? It's the age-ending fire, the Gehenna fire, that will consume the unrepentant wicked who are immersed in its flames. So it is a future event. Look at Revelation chapter 20. We see in Revelation 20, and uh, verse one, we see where an angel comes down from heaven and lays hold on the dragon, that is, the devil, called Satan, and he is bound a thousand years and cast into a bottomless pit for a thousand years, but after that he must be loosed for a season. But in the meantime, verse four, in the meantime, John saw these thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads 
or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's those who will not have to face the fiery wrath that is to come. These are they who have repented and who still look to Jesus Christ to bring them out of this age without, you know, the fumes or the smell and the suit of, 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 of bad things, of the evil that is in the world. Then in verse 5 it says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he shall go out and deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So that's, that's, a, that's a big army. That's a big, uh, a great sum of people. And they went upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. But fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast of the false prophet cast and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no, found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which, uh, which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Those of you who may have visited the, the Titanic here at the Feast of Tabernacles, we hadn't been there in about six years, but we saw it once again. But to know that there are, not only are these uh, uh, people who died because of the... Uh, the uh, Titanic sank. There are many others who have died and been swallowed up by the sea. But the sea will give up the dead. They're not lost. They will, it will give up the dead. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this lake of fire, this age in, in Ending fire will engulf only the wicked. It is that baptism by fire uh, that is the result of non-repentance. In Matthew chapter 13, and in verse 36, Jesus, he had been speaking to the multitudes in parables. And in verse 36, Jesus sent the multitudes away, went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, and uh, they wanted to know about the parable that he spoke of, about the tares of the field. And he answered and he said to them, He that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. And the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. 
and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares, like the tares, are gathered and burned in a fire, so shall it be in the end of this age, or the end of this world. And the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of the Father, who has ears, then let him hear. So who are these tares? They are the children of the wicked on whom shall be cast into the furnace of fire. And who are the wheat? Verse 38, that they are the converted who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and are the good seed, the children of the kingdom of God. So Matthew 3 gives us a picture of Christ's baptism, of Christ Jesus' baptism. And in verse 16, it says when Jesus, uh, was, when he was baptized, he went straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens, the sky, uh, was open unto him. And he, and he saw the Spirit of God descending and lighting upon him like a dove. So the dove is, is a Bible type. In the book of Psalms, chapter 74, in verse 19, Asaph, he was a song leader for David, he compared himself to this bird in need for the protection of God. He said in verse 19, O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. Forget not the congregation of your poor forever. In Isaiah 38, 14, in this type, the prophet used the dove, comparing it to the mournful. Verse 14, like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fail with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. So when you look at that particular scripture, you know, are we not like that sometimes when troubles surround us? Jeremiah chapter 48 and verse 28. O ye that dwell in Moab, leave the cities and dwell in the rock and be like the dove that makes her nest in the sides of the hole's mouth, that is, at the mouth of the cave. So here's a type of one who finally flies to Christ to be hid and to be safe under his protection. In Hosea 7, verse 11, we see backsliding Ephraim is compared to this helpless bird. In verse 11, Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. The NIV says Ephraim is like a dove, easily deceived and senseless, now calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. So in Matthew 3.16, what we see is the spirit that is descended, descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus Christ. And it describes the way a dove descends out of the sky, out of the air, to land and rest upon the ground. They really meek kind of birds. They, it's like they don't sense uh, much danger or, around them. They, they're kind of trusting of their surroundings. They're easy to catch also. The saints of God, however, are told to be 
harmless as doves. A dove, you know, is seen as the most uh, gentle bird. In Matthew uh, chapter 10 now, Christ says this, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now this is the world that we live in. Wolves out to harm, out to devour. Wolves who are dressed in sheep's clothing, out to deceive. And Christians are to have the foresight and trust that God will give them safety. Verse 17, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. There's a time coming when, you know, sometimes our most trusted friend or our most trusted family member is going to find some reason to not like you and for their love to uh, grow cold. In verse 18, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for testimony against them and the Gentiles. So there will come a moment when Christians will become infamous in speaking out against the sins of the world and promoting the coming of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to rule instead on the earth. Verse 19, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your Father which speaks in you. So you won't have to hire a professional orator or, or lawyer or solicitor to do your speaking for you. But you will rely on the Holy Spirit to say what needs to be said. But the baptism by fire is not what anyone should want because it represents a purging by fire that is to come. And the prophet Ezekiel spoke of that, of that uh, time to come. Verse 17 said that uh, the word of the Lord that came to Ezekiel saying, Son of man, house of Israel, the house of Israel is to me become dross, become rubbish or scum on the surface of of molten metal. All they are brass and tin and iron and lead in the midst of the furnace. They are even the dross of silver. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because you are all become dross, behold, therefore I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow the fire upon it and melt it. So will I gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Now, Proverbs 26, 23 says to us, uh, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver, like a coating of glaze over earthenware. So are fervent lips that have an evil heart. So this verse is, is typical of hypocrisy, nice on the outside, but vice on the inside. Verse 21, Yea, I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in the midst thereof. As silver is melted in the midst of a furnace, so shall you be melted in the midst uh, thereof. And you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury upon you. So this is the baptism by fire. We don't want to have, have happened to us. It's a fiery punishment brought upon sinners. 
Now, some mistake the baptism by fire as, you know, some kind of spiritual excitement that they, that they need, uh, brought on by things like speaking in tongues or so-called holy laughter or some other charismatic manifestation. But fire is a destroyer that represents the wrath of God that Christ came to save sinners from. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit is given upon repentance, water baptism, and the laying on of hands. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, that is the onoma, or the authority and character of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost or Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. In Christ, we know is the power to save or destroy but even in his wrath of fiery indignation, it is his loving call to repent and be saved from death and to learn lessons about repentance and about themselves. Because we know, in, as Ezekiel 18, 4 tells us, the soul that sins, it shall die. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6, 23. So Jesus gave us that gift of life. It is something to be happy over and find comfort and strength in, no matter how weary or troubled our lives uh, may be. And it is a gift that he seeks to share with others through our example and through our testimony as we have opportunity to give. Again, in Matthew uh, chapter 3 and verse 8, John said, bring forth, therefore, fruits for repentance. To produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You know, things that uh, befit repentance. So we are to look to Christ in the days ahead as we go through a long period toward the next holy day. Verse 17 of Matthew 3, Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, said uh, the NIV. So between the Old Testament and the New Testament, a period of about 400 years, the voice of God had not been heard until this time. It became like a public announcement that the age of the Messiah, the age of Jesus Christ, and forgiveness and redemption came. Remember the words of John saying, Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So physical descent does not guarantee salvation. Works of the law does not either. Nor does outward signs and symbols because God looks upon the heart. He looks upon the inward man. Verse 10 now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. We don't want that to be us. The good news is that we can be immersed 
in the Holy Spirit of God and have everlasting life. Before he came uh, from uh, Feast of Tabernacles the last day, you know, I know uh, Steve and, and uh, Ken, he was talking to us. Uh, we knew that we only have one day of rest, resting our ears from all the preaching. And so we, uh, it was a good suggestion, you know, that we keep it short. So I'm going to keep it short. Like the rabbi said, let's cut this short. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Matthew 3 again, verse 1, in those days, you know, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in verse 11, John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier, than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So which baptism do we want to be immersed in? So with the spiritual food that we have gained from at the feast, let us partake of that word of God in the, in the coming months until we enter into the, the new holy day seasons at the appointed times. But in the meantime, remember to keep the Sabbath to keep looking ahead and stay on course. And of course, remember to fellowship while it is called today.